Say, hey, good morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Gary. I'm one of the pastors here. Really glad you're here with us at the meeting place. Came across a story this week about a basset hound named Tattoo. Tattoo, uh, there's nothing particularly outstanding about him. He had the floppy ears and those, you know, those lovable droopy eyes that basset hounds have. And of course, the stubby legs. Uh, The story went on to describe, though, how one day, Tattoo was out for a walk with his owner. And while they were out for a walk, his owner's friend stopped by in his car. And so they began to talk. And Tattoo's owner, of course, leaned in the driver's side window and they started to talk. And Tattoo just sat there nice and just patiently waiting. Well, finally, the friend said their their goodbyes and the car pulled away. And that's when they realized that Tattoo's leash was caught in the side view mirror. Tattoo's gentle walk suddenly turned into a run. Now, don't worry. Tattoo was fine. They figured it out. They stopped the car. Uh, But to this day, apparently, Tattoo is not all that enthusiastic when his owner grabs the leash and says, let's go for a walk. Now, the point of that story is, uh, do you ever feel like Tattoo? Uh, Do you ever feel like your leash is caught in the side view mirror of a car and it's accelerating? And it's your life? Your life is gaining speed and you are overwhelmed with trying to keep up? Well, today that's the theme of this whole series, Overwhelm, that we're going to be doing for the rest of this month. Uh, We're going to be exploring uh, some of the ways our lives can just flip into overwhelm. But more importantly, what we're going to look at is what the Bible can teach us about how to actually cope and make it through those times when our lives feel overwhelmed. Dictionary defines overwhelmed this way. Listen to this. It says, overwhelmed, to bury or drown beneath a huge mass of something. Doesn't that sound ominous? To be buried or drowned beneath a huge mass of something. The question becomes, what is that something for you? Have you ever felt overwhelmed with just keeping the household running day to day throughout the week? You know, keeping on top of the laundry. If you have kids, you know exactly what I mean. It just never stops. Uh, How about pleading with your kids to just get along with one another? To brush their teeth before they go to bed. To keep their rooms clean. To do their homework. I can see some of you are already feeling overwhelmed. How about feeling overwhelmed with finances? Maybe that's your something. The bills just keep coming and there's always more month than there is money. Sometimes we're overwhelmed with worry or fear. You know, but the what ifs in life, you know, what if this happens or what if that doesn't happen? What if they say this or or if they do that? How about frustration? You ever been overwhelmed with frustration? You know, there's that thing, that issue that never just seems to get resolved. It's just the same tape plays over and over again. You're just so so frustrated, you're pulling your hair out. Well, how about this one? This is the one we're going to kind of camp on today because this is one that really I battle with all the time. Have you ever felt overwhelmed with expectations? Expectations placed on you by other people. People like parents, uh, peers, Spouses, professors, coaches, teachers, friends. Expectations that you are going to perform well, to do better, to to be the person that they think you should be. 
You should really be this way. Here's what I mean. Here's how this shows up. You know, we're just kicking off a new school year, right? We're, what, two weeks in? And if you've been to school or are going to school, uh, there are, I can almost bet, I'm not a betting man, but I, I think I would win this one. I bet there are some expect, expectations that have been placed on you to do better academically than you did last year. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter how well you did last year or how poor you did last year. The expectation is to do better. So, for example, if you were a solid C student like me in school, solid C, yes. Uh, the expectation is that you're going to apply yourself more. My report card, that was just like the standard input. Apply yourself more. Apply yourself more. Uh, because then you can get your grades up. And you need to get your grades up so you can go to university. Well, maybe last year you did well. You're a straight A student. Now the expectation is go for A pluses. Because you know what? The higher your marks, the better the chances you are going to get into university. Which is the other expectation, right? That you're going to university. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, who said anything about university? I want to travel. I want to get to work. I want to make some money. I want to start living. I don't want to go to university. But that's the expectation that's been placed on you. And so... What we often do is we put aside our dreams, our aspirations, those things that are really close to us, in order to live up to those expectations. Here's the question. Why? Why do we do that? Why are we so willing to forego our plans that mean so much to us in order to live up to someone else's dream for our lives? Why do we so easily follow the crowd or culture on what we should do or what we should be, the direction we should go, how we should behave? Well, I've been thinking about this because, like I said, this is one I battle with all the time. And so I'm just going to throw this idea out there for you to consider, and it's this. I think we're afraid of disappointing people, especially those that are closest to us. And we all know where disappointment comes from, right? unmet expectations. You've probably experienced some form to some degree of disappointment in your lives to this point. If you haven't, please come and talk to me. I would love to live your life. <laughs> but here's how it shows up. Here's how it shows up. You have a good friend. They go out to the newest restaurant in town and they call you up and say, dude, you've got to go to this restaurant, man. It was amazing. The food was out of this world. The service was impeccable. It was the best experience we've ever had. And so you go. And your experience is anything but that. Your steak is overcooked. The potatoes are lumpy. The service is slow. And at the end of the meal, what do you do? You wipe your mouth and you throw your napkin down and go, well, that was a big disappointment. Because it didn't meet your expectations. Now, here's the thing. It's one thing to be disappointed. It's another to be the disappointment. Author and professor Brene Brown said this about our insatiable need for acceptance, love, and belonging. Listen to this. She says, a deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. And then listen to what she says. When those needs are not met, 
We don't function as we are meant to. We break, we fall apart, we numb, and we ache. And so to avoid the ache and the pain that comes as a result of rejection, because we're disappointing someone, that's the fear, we begin to live our lives trying to please other people. It's a nasty trap to fall into, but one that we so easily fall into. And when we do that, when we try to live to please other people so we don't disappoint them, so they'll accept us because we're doing what we think they should do or they want us to do, what we're in essence doing is giving them control over our lives. We're letting their opinions and their expectations of us to drive our lives. And it's often to the detriment of our own. But we do it because we so desperately crave and need love and acceptance and a sense of belonging. And so we begin to look for love there. And I think Johnny Lee, the country singer, said it best in his, I think, his one and only hit song, We're looking for love in all the wrong places. The question becomes, where do we look for that love, that acceptance, that sense of belonging? It's a fair question. And I think the answer is found in this story in the Bible. Uh, The story takes place, just to give you some background, Jesus is kind of, he's just started off his ministry. He's been traveling around the countryside Uh, teaching this radical teaching, you know, love your neighbor and pray for your enemy and all that kind of stuff. And he's been healing people, giving sight back to the blind and mobility to the lame. And in the middle of all this, he decides to go back to his hometown. And that's where we're going to pick this story up. You can find this story. It's in the second book of the New Testament, a book called Mark. And here's how Mark records what happened. Mark says, he, referring to Jesus, left there, and he's referring to the towns that Jesus was just teaching and healing in, and returned to his hometown. His disciples came along, and on the Sabbath, this is kind of cool, he gave a lecture in the meeting place. (laughs) Hey, look, what can I say? I'm not him. (laughs) Just just to be clear. Uh, Now, interestingly, as a rabbi, Jewish custom dictated that they be invited to speak at the synagogue of their hometown, And so Jesus takes them up on that, and he goes and starts to teach, and the people are shocked by his words. Mark says he made a real hit, impressing everyone. We had no idea he was this good. How did he get so wise all of a sudden, get such ability? But in the next breath, they were cutting him down. He's just a carpenter, Mary's boy. We've known him since he was a kid. We know his brothers, James, Justice, Jude, and Simon, and his sisters. Who does he think he is? It's an interesting story. Uh, And I believe it holds some keys that we can pick up and allow God to use to help us overcome the overwhelm that comes directly from the stress of living, trying to please others and live up to their expectations for our lives. Key number one is this. Don't let anyone define you Don't let anyone but God define who you are. People in Jesus' hometown had a very specific opinion of who they thought he was. They heard him teach as a rabbi, but to them they're like, well, he's just a carpenter. He's, He's the son of Mary who we've known for years. He's the member of this family that we've known for years. Jesus, however, knew who he was. 
God's son, the Messiah, the one sent by God to seek and save the lost, who would ultimately give his life in order that all men could be restored in their relationship between God and the people he created. He was so rooted in who he was that Jesus had the clarity and the ability to refuse to have his identity shifted based on what people around him thought he should be. 1959, a boy named Randy Trawick was born in a town called Marshville, North Carolina. And at school, he got labeled as a troublemaker. You know, he's probably not sitting still and doing spitball things and all that. Uh, he was told he would never amount to much. You're just a troublemaker. You're never going to amount to much. And so in grade eight, he said, you know what? I quit. And he dropped out of school. And he went and he got a job as a busboy at a local country music bar. He loved country music. And so he kept pestering the house band, you know, to let him play. Like, just let me play guitar. Let me sing. Well, the band members, they didn't just laugh at him behind his back. They laughed at him to his face and because they saw him as this grade eight dropout, this young punk who was nothing but a busboy. But this busboy saw himself as a musician, as a country singer. And so he forged on. He didn't let those band members deter him. And he mustered the strength to not let the years of labels and school hold him back. And eventually, he was able to get out and get his break and sing some country music. And it turns out he was pretty darn good at it. You probably have heard of him. His name is Randy Travis. How do others define you? What labels do they put on you? Do they see you as just a busboy? A janitor? A stay-at-home mom or dad? A dropout, a quitter, an underachiever? You see, all those labels have one thing in common. And it's this. They are labels given to you based on what you do or what you've done or failed to do. God sees you in a different way. He doesn't see you in terms of what you do or what you've done or what you failed to do. He sees you in terms of who you are. And who are you? Well, in his eyes, you are his son or his daughter. Created, fearfully and wonderfully made, created in his image of immense value. That's who you are. So what would it be like to look to the God who created you, who dreamt you up, who brought you into existence for the affirmation, the love that you are so desperately seeking? Instead of looking for it in pleasing other people. Jesus gives us a great example of what that looks like in this story. He wasn't deterred by the expectations of the people who didn't understand who he was. He, was, he looked to and got all the affirmation, confidence, and love that he needed from God, his Father in heaven. Don't let anyone other than God define who you are. The second key we can pick up is this. Don't let the judgments of others deter you. They were amazed at his teaching. Like, 
wow, how did he get so smart? And then in the next breath, they were cutting him down. Why? Could it be because he wasn't living up to their expectations of who they thought he would be? Or should be? The talk around town, around the countryside, was that this Jesus was, in fact, the long-awaited Messiah. The one the Jewish people were waiting for that was going to be sent from God to set them free. And freedom to the Jews at that time meant freedom from the, the Roman government and the oppression that they were under because they were occupied by the Romans. And based on that perspective, they had an expectation in their mind of what this Savior was going to be like, what he was going to do, namely... They were looking for a military leader. Someone who would organize everyone and plan a coup and overthrow the Roman government. Man, you read the biographies of Jesus, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you quickly learn that Jesus was anything but. He was anything but a military general coming to wage war. And so they cut him down, thinking, you can't be it. You're just a carpenter. Disappointed because he didn't live up to their expectations of who he should be. Don't let anyone other than God define who you are. Don't let the judgments of others deter you. And the third key we can pick up to help us get free from under this this weight of being overwhelmed with living up to someone else's expectations is this. Don't let others hold you back. Continue reading this story and listen listen to what it says. It says, Jesus wasn't able to do much of anything there in his hometown. He laid hands on a few sick people and healed them, and that's all. He couldn't get over their stubbornness. He left and made a circuit of the other villages teaching. He left. Jesus left. Imagine for a moment if Jesus didn't leave. And he just gave in to the opinions of others because he was afraid of the rejection that might come along with it. He would have never accomplished what God had called him to do, namely save you and me from ourselves. Good thing he moved on, no? The same is true for us. Sometimes we just need to move on from those relationships that are holding us back. And do it despite the fear that you may disappoint someone. But that's not always so easy, is it? This is where I struggle. (laughs) Call me weird, but I like to be liked. (laughs) Sorry, I just do. And I like it when people say good things about me. But listen to these words from the Bible. The fear of human opinion disables The fear of human opinion disables, and boy, does it ever. It freezes us up. It causes us to to stop living the life we were called to live. But here's the thing, it doesn't have to. Thankfully, that verse doesn't end there. It finishes with these words. Trusting in God protects you from that. The fear of human opinion disables, but the... Trusting in God protects you from that. Imagine for a moment 
how your life might be different if you were to move on from some of the relationships or situations that you find yourself in that are holding you back. Like I say, this is not easy to do. Um, But there's one way that we can learn to actually trust God in those situations. And I have kind of taken on these two practices over the years uh, that have really helped me get out from under that overwhelm intentionally set aside yay there we go disregard everything else i said intentionally set aside some time each day to reflect on god's love for you i remember when i first began doing this i i had heard it i can't even count how many times i heard it from you know people like me at the front of a church saying you gotta have this quiet time you gotta have this quiet time and i was like yeah 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 don't have time for quiet time. So here's the thing. When I began doing this, I just started really small with like two minutes. I could do two minutes. And then I would stretch it to three. And then I'd really go out there and go to four minutes and then maybe five. And eventually what happened was I didn't even care how long it was. Sometimes it was 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Sometimes it was four, three. It didn't matter. The point was... I was actually doing it. And so the best way to start this is the Nike approach. Just do it. Just start. And so here's the challenge this week. Start tomorrow. And, you know, if this isn't something that you do regularly, that's fine. Go easy on yourself. It's not easy doing a new practice. Like if you go into the gym and that second day is like, oh, man, am I sore. It's kind of like the same thing, right? So just kind of ease yourself into it. Start with two minutes. Grab one of those devotionals we have, the, the daily bread. Those are great, man. I still read those. They're awesome. Some, there's little nuggets in there that just grab you. But the key is to just start. And then try it for a week. Start tomorrow. Get up, do two minutes, and start tomorrow. And focus on God's love for you. And just see if the fear of what others think of you 
begins to lessen its grip on you. Because here's the thing. The more you ground your identity in the love God has for you, the less you'll need approval of people for your sense of lovability, belonging, and acceptance. Not easy, but that's why we're here doing this together, right? And in a couple of weeks, we're going to be rolling out our courses, the fall courses. And one of those is EHR, Emotional Healthy Relationships. And it talks, it's got a whole week on living up to others' expectations and how to break free from that. Really glad you're here with us on this journey. I invite you to pray. God, boy, it's so easy to be overwhelmed with uh, trying to live up to expectations of those around us. And sometimes those expectations are done with the best of intention. Uh, But we can take them on and they just begin to weigh us down. Uh, Like we we read in the definition, we're drowning in it. Uh, It's this huge weight that's on us. I just thank you that we don't have to look to please others to find the love that is just innately wired into us. We just need to look to you, the one who created us, and put that desire to be loved and to love in us. And so we just thank you for that. Just be, I just pray for patience for all of us as we kind of stumble through this. Uh, help us to be more aware of the times that when we feel like we're compromising what we believe or our values in order to go along with the crowd or whatever it is to, to please people so we can be accepted because we know our identity and our love is found in you. We just thank you for your son and we pray this in your awesome name. Amen.